Hey, this is Pastor Andrew Farhat, uh, lead pastor of St. John's Renewal. Uh, grateful to God to be here with special guest PJ Arzwal. Hey, Andrew. PJ is our Renewal Church campus pastor. You can check him out at renewaldenver.org. And we are doing part two of a really good question, which is, is it possible to truly be humble? So the gospel is good news that you've been declared righteous before God is we look at people differently as they're sinners that are saved by God's grace too, just like we are. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not going to take away from sociology because I think we are drawn to people that we do have affinity with. It's normal. It's natural. It's good. Yeah. But man, in the church, when Christians are called to love everybody, to embrace everyone, to welcome all, um, to not just start getting clicky and just hanging out with people you have chemistry with only mm -hmm. um, and being drawn to a, a certain group for your own ego. Like I'm hanging out with this dude and, and he has a great reputation in Denver. And so I'm going to have a great reputation tonight because I'm going to hang out with him and you know people might see me or uh, who, who knows how far this can be taken and how we live our lives and who we think we need to associate ourselves with. Mm -hmm. But I think the gospel of Christ, this verse I think applies to a lot, is it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. Mm -hmm. So we are one regardless of race. We're one regardless of status. Uh, we are seeking to love everyone. And man, I, I just, I'm, I'm drawn to that kind of truth, because man, I, I would say it's very countercultural, and I don't see um, Christians just living that out naturally in America yeah. right now, PJ. I know. I, uh, I totally agree, because we do gravitate towards status and people like us. And I think of um, in, in sports, especially football, they always say weather's the great equalizer. You know, you have a really good team, but if it's like downpour, rain, or snow, like it kind of levels them out. And in a lot of ways, that's the the gospel is the great equalizer that, you know, CFW Walter, who is the founder of our um, branch of Lutheranism, or kind of the first president, um, he at one point was talking about communion when we come to the communion table. And he says, you know, one might come in a dirty apron, one might come in pearls and gold, but they all leave just robed in the righteousness of Jesus. Hmm. There's no distinction anymore. We are all just beggars receiving from God's gracious hands his love. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all just God's children. And uh, it is a beautiful thing. And it's when you see it embodied, when the church gets it right and, and doesn't fall back into that sinfulness of pride and status and um, superiority, uh, it's just, it's magical because it is so out of this world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Paul's answer for low self-esteem is not, hey, go get some self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. His answer is, Get the Lord. Mm -hmm. The Lord is going to give you your worth, your value, your identity, your purpose. Yeah. Um, but then I want to shift gears a little bit and ask this question. Is it humble to be able to confess sin to other people or is it a sign of weakness? Yeah. Depends on who you ask, right? So if you ask the world, I mean, obviously this is a sign of weakness. That's one of the, the saddest things about public discourse that I think I observe. There's a lot of sad things about public discourse, but it is so difficult for anyone to say to the world, I messed up, I did the wrong thing, I was wrong, 
because you're just handing ammunition to your opponent. Whatever the discussion is, whatever the culture war is, um, you have to kind of dig in and just pretend that you're flawless um, because any sign of weakness is attacked. But um, true Christian humility leads us to a place of confession. Um, again, we talked about uh, in the last part um, the gospel and how it's, it's leveling because we just see ourselves as just these beggars who are given the grace of God, who are given forgiveness by Jesus. And so there's nothing to hide at that point. I don't need to put on a, a, a face or a mask that says, look how good and holy I am. I can say, you know what? I sinned and I don't have to worry about what the world thinks or what anyone thinks because God has already told me he's forgiven that. And confessing it, there's mm-hmm. forgiveness. And so confession is one of the, we talked about habits last time. One of the best habits to foster humility is to confess sins. Um, mm-hmm. We do it on Sundays. Um, we do it when we sin against somebody. Um, so if I hurt you or I messed up, I let you down, it's good that I should say, I'm sorry, please forgive mm-hmm. me. Um, and then instead of just excusing it, and we can do it during private confession too, and that's not a mandatory practice, but it's something um, we make available as pastors too, where people feel burdened by something, they can come in and confess sins, say, I did this, this, and this, and we don't pronounce judgment other than the, the forgiveness of God. And as somebody who has been on the other end of that, who has confessed my sins in private confession, it's very alleviating and very humbling because it's to vocalize, here's some of the the parts of me that I wish nobody ever saw, hmm. but I can say them out loud and then hear somebody speaking for God saying, nope, you are still forgiven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, confession, huge part of humility. And, and I don't know if you have any other thoughts on... Yeah. Yeah. Great thoughts, PJ. And I would say this, it is a sign, as you're saying, to humbly be able to confess our sin to one another. Actually, if you're a Christian, James five sixteen says, confess your sins to one another. Mm-hmm. Now, I just say this, like, how many more relationships would be healthier if people did this, if people oh gosh, own yeah. this, if they didn't blame? Some people do a lot of blaming, mm-hmm. but no owning. And then they have a, <clears throat> a lot of division. Um, also in families, so let's take marriage. I mean, Ruth Graham, the wife of the late, Billy Graham said, a great marriage is the union between two good forgivers. Hmm. So that takes some confession and forgiveness. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of family conflicts. You know, as families evolve, you know, you, your parents get older and there's, you start having kids. And so your parents are now uh, grandparents. Uh, there's typically a lot of different dynamics that go along with in-laws and, you know, all these different oh, yeah. relationships. And I think we sweep things under the rug a lot and then we expect things to just be fine because we're family. Hmm. But it's like, well, um, what if you've really damaged, you know, and hurt someone and you just want to keep going just because you're family? It's like, well, you kind of need to learn the art of making things right. Yeah. See, here's, here's the thing. To use a phrase that I think we're used to, confession is simply making things right. Hmm. You're going to the person to make it right. I'd say this. The sooner we make it right, the sooner we heal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get caught in sin instead of making it right. Maybe they've been holding in a secret sin for months. You know, it, don't you think it would have been better off if you made it right sooner and you came clean sooner and you got healed sooner. But instead now 
it's like, oh, you were caught. And now, yeah, you're trying to heal, but man, it's even worse now. Yeah. Because you didn't make it right sooner. So confession is to make it right. Confession is for healing. If you want to heal, you have to confess. If you want to heal, you have to be humble. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in that and not just holding off because it's easy to hold a grudge. Or like you said, I've seen a lot of families where it's where one or multiple members just kind of what you said, just don't want to acknowledge the hurt that Mm -hmm. has been hurt to them or that they even caused and just want to kind of just, all right, I'll just move on. Let's pretend it didn't happen. And um, because of that, there is no healing. And so the, the relationship stays fractured to some extent. And then you pile up multiple time, occasions or, or years of that kind of relationship where there's just never any ownership or humility over one's own wrongdoings. Um, it just can really drive a wedge in people. And, mm-hmm. and you might think it looks fine for a while, but pretty soon things start to crumble. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in closing, PJ, to summarize this life of humility, I'd say it's when you walk into the room knowing that you're there to bless others, Mm -hmm. knowing that you're there to serve others. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off of you because you're you're less focused on others' evaluations of you, but you're more focused on how you can care for the people that are there. Um, It's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And all of what Scripture says, I think, flows out of this in some way, shape, or form. So, husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That takes humility. Mm-hmm. And it's a game changer. It's a paradigm changer because, man, now all of a sudden when you walk in the room, it's not about you. It's no. about blessing your wife. It's about blessing your kids. Um, children, honor your parents. How on earth are they going to fulfill that without humility? Yeah. They need some humility to be able to say, you know what? My parents do love me. My parents have, would die for me. How can I honor them? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so, I, I mean, I could apply this to so many different relationships. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's, how can I make a difference while I'm here on this earth to be a blessing? Yeah. I really like, in the last part, you talked about like when you come home from work, whether you're talking to roommates or you're getting coffee with a friend, just changing how you just kind of default because I think you're totally right where we just naturally want to just talk. Let me just tell you about my day and what I've been going through. And what it's really hard to see sometimes is I've been in social circles where it's just a lot of people who want to feel heard and nobody listening. And it's just... I want to tell you about how rough my life. Well, I want to one up that and tell you how rough this is or, or good things and, and so on. And so what you said, I just want to highlight again, just, you know, when you come home from work, maybe the first thing you do before you share anything is you make sure to take time to listen to your, how your roommate's day went, how your spouse's day went, how your kid's day went, whatever it might be. Um, when you catch up with that friend you've been talking to in a while, try and be the, the first one to listen, the first one to um, invest in them. And don't just obligatorily check that off and all right, now cool, I can share. Um, but to truly say, all right, this conversation, this interaction, um, I want to make sure I'm listening. I want to make sure that they have a chance to feel heard and be served. Um, some of the most spiritually mature people I know rarely talk about themselves unless prompted. Not that they don't ever, but um, because they view those conversations as a chance to pour into somebody else, a chance to listen, a chance to support and encourage rather than 
just a chance to unload. Now there are times when you're going through something, you just need somebody to talk to and you need to be heard. And that's when we're as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have that great blessing of sometimes we're going to, we're going to meet up and you're just going to share what's going on with you. And I'm just going to listen and help support. And then other times I'm going to be going through stuff and I'm going to share and you're going to listen support. And um, so it's not like a never, ever, ever talk about yourself kind of thing. Never mm-hmm. share any joys or burdens. Um, but understanding that, yeah, like you said, this, this conversation that you're having, these interactions, these relationships, just think about all the people you touch and touch base with in a day, your coworkers, whatever it might be. If you thought of all of those, like my goal in that interaction is to serve them, love them in some way, big or small. Mm-hmm. That's my first priority. And then if I have a chance to, you know, share what's going on with me, that's good too. But Amen. So if you're listening um, and you want to dive into some of these biblical truths further, uh, I, we would recommend uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. If you are listening and want to write that down or take a mental note. Um, and then also, uh, Timothy Keller's book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. I highly recommend it. It is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to chapter 4, verse 7. And he calls the freedom of self-forgetfulness the pathway to Christian joy. And it's a, it's a new existence, but it's a great one. And we thank you for listening. If this was a blessing to you, we would encourage you to pass it along to someone that you also think could be blessed by it. We're also grateful for your uh, listenership. Uh, and if you would like to subscribe and follow us, we would be grateful. Have a great day.